0: community media is something that's going to go away and they continually tell me absolutely not this is fundamental to the human experience for us to communicate with one another and to find connectivity
1: welcome to radio survivor the sound of strong communities i'm not eric klein
2: <laughs> i suppose you aren't paul Mendel. <laughs> we're the hosts and producers of radio survivor hello everybody
1: and on today's program, uh, we're going to dig into community radio, uh, and we get to talk to two of our favorite people in community radio, Sally Kane and Ernesto Aguilar, who are from the National Federation of Community Broadcasters, which is an organization dedicated to supporting community radio stations all over the United States to advocate f- on behalf of, of, of the needs of community radio and as well as to provide real on the ground support. Yeah. And we're speaking
2: with Sally and Ernesto uh, coming off of uh, a large uh, national conference that they just hosted there in Denver, Colorado, gave them the opportunity to sort of think uh, with a bird's eye view of what's going on in community media, but also a very, on the ground view of what stations are up to su- success stories and and uh lights of hope. And so that I'm glad we're bringing this segment to the listeners today, Paul. I wanted you to give the listeners of Radio Survivor, especially maybe some of the folks out there who aren't familiar with what community radio is, um how it's how it's changed in 2017. We're sort of in a moment where There's more of it than ever before, but I think that that's not a uh, universally accepted story that community
1: radio is doing so well. You know, I have this like canned kind of uh, talking point that I often have with community radio people in which I say community radio is not. Itself obvious. It is not self explanatory. Just because you've heard community radio and folks listening to us on xray.fm, which is a community radio station, you don't always necessarily know what community radio is just by listening. And it's something we need to go back and explain every so often so that new folks in the medium can, can understand it. Community radio is radio where it's much more of an open door, it is staffed by volunteers, people from the community, intended to represent people in the community. So rather than necessarily only as a service. And I think we can think of public radio as a service provides news as a service by from professionals. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking it. It's very valuable. Community radio is more likely that people from a particular community have their own shows and it can be around culture. It could be arts, but it can also be around particular issues. It can be around uh, particular communities of interest it can be around political communities, etc. They're actually on the radio representing the, their communities themselves Speaking to their communities, but also speaking to the broader community. But also,
2: I want the listeners to be aware that uh, there's a lot more stations than there used to be.
1: Yes, there's been a flowering of community radio since 2013. Uh, Many more stations went on the air in 2000 because it started, uh, that's when the FCC started to license something called Low Power FM, which are smaller, less expensive stations, easier to get on the air. Um, And then in 2013, there was a second window of opportunity for people to get these licenses where at the same time, because of an act of Congress, uh, you could put more stations on the dial, especially in big urban markets like San Francisco, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and on that are otherwise really crowded. And so what that allowed us to do is to sort of double uh, if not triple the number of low power FM stations, the majority of which are kind of community radio stations yeah. to go on the air. So in, in cities around the country, we've seen the number of community radio stations go from one to two or or one to five or go from zero to three in many cases.
2: It bears repeating over and over here on the radio survivor program that in the 21st century Community radio is bigger than it's ever been before in the United States. It's,
1: it's arguably bigger than it's ever been before in the world as community radio also takes root in places like the UK, in places like India, in places in Latin America. We're not – And in other places around it's, the world.
2: It's, it's an anti-cliché. That radio is doing very
1: well in the 21st century. Absolutely. It really is. That's what we're here to talk about. And that's the thing we talk about all the time on our website. Go to radiosurvivor.com to learn more about that. And for anything we talk about on the show today, you can get show notes, get links to help you follow up so you don't have to try and take notes. (laughs) While you're listening, does anyone do that? Go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. If you've got questions or comments about anything we talk about, drop us a line. Podcast at radiosurvivor.com. And we welcome Sally Kane and Ernesto Aguilar from the National Federation of Community Broadcasters. Thank you both so much for joining us here on Radio Survivor. Great to be here. Absolutely. So, Sally, uh, you just wrapped up uh, a couple of weeks ago your big national conference, the National Federation of Community Broadcasters Conference. Maybe you could tell folks a little bit about, like, what is this conference and, and, like, what's its purpose? What are you hoping to do with this annual event?
0: Sure. I, I was thinking, wow, was it a couple weeks ago? It's all kind of a blur, but um, NFCB has been convening this signature event, the annual community media conference, for 42 years. And um, the significance of it really historically over time is that uh, community radio is a fairly dispersed group. Um, They serve a lot of rural communities and remote areas of the country and, as you know, sort of niche markets in urban areas. So it's really the central convening to bring all those people to the table to meet one another and network and have shared learning experiences and to really be lifted up in the work that they do. So I think that's the significance of it. I actually think it holds most significance for the attendees that they actually get to come and see um, people who are also doing community radio. And you just get that feeling when you're there that they're hungrily soaking up. Oh, what are you doing? And, Oh, we tried this and it worked. And other people getting inspired by that or, or learning, you know, something that they wouldn't have been able to figure out on their own. So I think in that way, it's, it's really important this year. I was working with, let's say, how do I say this? I, I've i been retooling this organization for four years now, and I really wanted this conference to be uh, a conversation that I took an active role in leading, that I would lay on the table, follow through with it, and close it with people. And there were some difficult things I wanted to discuss. And so we grounded the conference in the notion of, Identity. What does that mean? Where does it come from? How how do we formulate that within ourselves on a very personal level? And and what what you find when you dig into that is that it's deeply personal. Number one, two, it has amazing undertones in terms of um, race, gender, ethnicity, culture. So all of those things that sort of that, that sort of fly under the radar in or in nonprofit organizations are manifest in these identity issues. So I wanted to bring people to a start there. We had a really inspiring keynote from a Latina woman here in Denver with Project Enyé, who really told her personal story of of identity as a Latina and as a filmmaker. And then um, I wanted to segue from that into managing change. Hmm. So here we have these identities in this turbocharged warp speed world that we're living in and we're navigating change that is, Arguably happening at a faster rate than, you know, than, than humans have ever known. Um, change is always constant. I do believe there's certain it's always the best and worst of times kind of thing. But I also believe that the technological revolution and globalism in general has escalated um, our perception of time and 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 the scope of change that we're all dealing with it's not just in professional it's environmental it's personal political it's all those things so we navigated into this very deep discussion about how you manage change in an organizational setting and how you as a human being given your identity and given you know the circumstances you're in how you take that in and move forward, which is a piece that's often left off the table in professional circles is that we we act like we're there actually as an organization and not as human beings. So this was something that kind of brought a lot of stuff up for people. And then I wanted to move that conversation on this third day into an exploration of a notion that I just, for lack of a better word, called radical inclusivity, because I think that Many of us in community media pride ourselves in being a voice for the voiceless and the underserved and covering those stories that don't um, get enough time in the dominant media. And yet, within our organizations, there's a click thing that happens. Mm. There's uh, there's a rest on your laurels sort of thing about we're diverse or we serve the community because we're doing public service announcements. And given the context of, of the world we're living in and this Increasingly polarized, ideologically based conversation that happens in the national politic. I wanted com- I wanted to push back on community media and say, how inclusive are we, really? Hmm. And what does that mean in the public media space? And and not to say so. So I. I I fixed it so that we moved through that, and of course, we had breakout sessions that really focused on skills intensives and very particular drill-down operational fundraising content things in community radio, but this conference was one where we wanted to engage a much larger conversation, and we did, and it was difficult at times, and you could just feel it in the room, but we held the space, and we ended up coming full circle, and people were... Uh, remarking to me, anyway, that that having those conversations gave them the courage to commit to continuing to have conversations and continuing to challenge themselves to explore deeply where they're coming from, how they manage change, and how that translates into the work they do in community in terms of inclusivity.
2: We're joined on the line by Ernesto Aguilar and Sally Kane of the NFCB, the National Federation of Community Broadcasters. And I wanted to ask Ernesto to sort of follow up on what Sally was just talking about. But Ernesto, can you can you tell us why why should community media of of all organizations uh, be doing that work that Sally was describing?
3: Well, I think that it's critical to begin to think of ourselves uh, more institutionally. Uh, too often, for me, the the bigger Conversation that happens in community radio is about scarcity. It's about resources. It's about you know what we don't have to to make something work. Uh, two things that are important for me to remember that, and I want to encourage others to remember about this particular issue is the fact that this is a legacy conversation. This is not the first time community radio has said it doesn't have resources and focused it on that and talked it to death. And it happens a lot in community. Community radio, and uh, instead, and I think this is one of the, the important reasons to have a conference like an FCB's annual event is to go beyond that to say we understand that this is a challenge, and we understand we have to be uh, resourceful and scrappy around the things that we need. But how does that actually happen? And to me, a larger conversation about inclusivity is about our communities. It's about a way to. Engage engage a new audience of people. And it's also getting beyond our own personal biases about what we think communities need to hear. Uh, Similarly, when we're talking about legacy conversations, one of those things that Sally pointed out is this issue of uh, thinking we serve people and we serve them because we provide a community service or we do a PSA. Uh, But how much of that is talking about what we want to talk about and how much of that is talking and listening with the community and bringing in conversations that they want to hear and want to discuss. And to me, this inclusivity piece that Sally is bringing in is very, very critical for community radio to break beyond this idea of um, it's just us and we have to circle the wagons and we don't have very much. And this is all we we've got and we need to kind of fight over a tooth and nail, but instead, how do we welcome in the larger community and create bounty through Listening and through reaching out to diverse communities, regardless of where you 're at, whether those are geographical communities, cultural communities, racial communities, wherever those may be, this provides I believe a really important step for community radio to take to go beyond just uh, talking about serving the community but really welcoming them in and listening and being a part of that in a much deeper way.
2: It sounds like you were asking people in the in the community media world to just begin by saying yes instead of no, and then moving (laughs) on from there with what's possible?
0: I think specifically I asked them very directly um, to think about a conversation starting with with the place of what's working versus what's broken. Mm. And it sort of alludes to what Ernesto is saying because you know when you start from that place of what's working it takes the ceiling off your brain and you can look at okay why is that working who cares about the fact that it is you know um and then you go you move to the place of how can we do this better and from that place you can get into the details of if we do this better there would have to be xyz but if you start from the place of you know we got a big problem here we don't have enough resources then immediately the, the setting caves in on you, and you're not able to keep alive the dream. And so that was those were my questions to people. What's working? Why do you care about that? Who else cares about that? How can you make it better?
1: And so what came up when you asked that question? What did people share that is working?
0: Well, what is working that is local, um, local. Basically, it's it's finding that mix of um, things that are going on in the community where you spend your daily life, where you're connected to people. And um, in amplifying those stories, so I think storytelling works. It's a powerful medium. It's a wonderful way for people to get to know one another and understand what's going on. The other thing that's really been working for people is um actively engaging with art and culture organizations in their communities and and really kind of linking arms around this notion that art has a role in creating connection between people in an in a fairly non threatening way for the most part, particularly music so we're seeing a lot of of small um smaller stations getting involved with very invent you know, innovative partnerships with art and culture organizations, um, upping their game on storytelling efforts, collecting the stories in their community from people's own voices. And then also, of course, what's been going on and gaining a lot of speed is um, news reporting, hard news reporting. And we had an intensive with Solutions Journalism Network and a number of sessions that were really all about how do you do that kind of community reporting, what type of... um, of policies do you need and what what type of uh, practices help maintain editorial integrity and, and ethical journalism standards while you're covering people whom you are deeply connected to in daily life. And one of the things that comes up with these smaller stations is that there 's not a lot of anonymity in small communities, mm-hmm. so if you want to if you want to do a, a story on the local hospital you know it 's very likely that you 're going to be standing in line at the grocery store next to someone who 's employed by that hospital so you know people are, are are really trying to figure out how to do that well and and do it better, and a lot of them are finding it 's through that kind of testimonial storytelling that a lot of it um, can happen, that people are just given an opportunity to speak in their own words. So the the other thing that's working fundraising-wise is um, people are moving from the pledge drive only to this subscriber, kind of monthly sustaining donor thing, and there's a lot of success being had in the arena of major gifts because the First Amendment is under fire, and local is uh, something that people are really turning attention to as a way of creating agency and a sense of empowerment in the world and in their lives. And so community radio is uniquely placed to be quite successful in garnering the support of people with resources in communities who want to support the First Amendment and who want to support community life on a local level. So that's a lot.
1: That's a lot. And that's that's really good to hear. I'm kind of curious to pull out, you mentioned sort of storytelling, local stories, and, and sort of the ability to have that local testimony. On community radio. Yeah, on community mm-hmm. radio. What is that? Do you have a sense of what that sounds like? Because I think that, you know, it's one thing to sort of talk about it, but I think often it's difficult to, to quite imagine what it means in practical reality. Or
2: who does the work. You're yeah. not just opening
1: yeah. the phones. Someone well, to mean, it the is story. just opening the phones. I'm just kind of curious, what what, what does it right. sound like?
0: Well, I can give you a very concrete example. KSJD in Cortez, Colorado, which is situated in the rural desert of the southwestern United States, um, right on the edge of Navajo country and in the midst of a, a multi-generational ranching farming communities of the southwest. And that little station bought the bank building on the corner of Cortez of the street in Cortez, the main street. They expanded to buy the next building to create a venue called the Sunflower Theater where they bring art, poetry, spoken word, all kinds of performances and to gatherings. <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing is that the vault that used to be there for the bank is now uh, a story vault. And so people can come and you literally walk in the front door. It's a recording studio. You can go in there with your loved ones in the in the spirit of StoryCorps record their stories and share them out. Um, they have a, they have a weekly show called the Raven um, what's it called Ernesto the Raven Report. Raven Chronicles. Raven Chronicles that um, and, and I think the, the, the form that it takes is often in the news stories, they will pivot to the local person to have them in their own words describe what's going on versus the journalist, um, setting the stage, providing most of the monologue and then splicing in the quote. So the way it sounds is they're actually flipping that script where the majority of the audio is in the voices of the people that are the subject of this piece. Does that make sense?
2: It makes a lot of sense. It, It really resonates with a lot of, uh, things that are just in the air these days for me. Um, and i've always been so with community media like i uh, i'm thinking of free speech radio news where when all the voices of all the affected communities were were amplified as opposed to yeah just that one british voice telling you what happened overseas and i i also sally um really resonated with the idea of um community media journalism ethics being an mm. important part of of what a, a community radio institution Uh, can give to the world, especially in the, in the, um, in the era of the uh, attack on journalism and the fake news uh, being thrown around at the same time, like we forget now that everything is so um, upsetting and polarized that there were legitimate critiques of the mainstream media that we all held dear up until um, January of this year. Uh, that we shouldn 't just discard them entirely since since uh, since things are so upsetting
0: no i I really agree, and I think that 's actually to your point is behind why we 're seeing a couple takeaways Ernesto and I both noticed was a lot more young people in the room, hmm. a that's ton nice. of people who 've never been to a community radio conference before raising their hands that this was their first one, and in a time when You know, uh, you've seen a diaspora, really, in the print media and major pressure on uh, the broadcasting space. It's really hopeful that, A, younger people are coming to it, and people who haven't uh, engaged with us before are engaging. And I think part of why they are is precisely because of your point. It's not okay to say media is infallible, you shouldn't be attacking it. It's a moment for media to redefine itself and to also look deeper, which is why I really wanted to push this conversation about change and inclusivity and identity, because um, we have to do this better. We have to take this as an opportunity to, to actually reinvent the conversation that we have as a society and media should be there to help that. In, in the first early days when Bill Seemering at NPR, their first program director, wrote the mission statement and, and talked eloquently about public media, the sound he was going for, that, that, that the way he described it was to bring the voice of the people to the people. And I think community radio people really know what that sounds like.
1: And we are talking with Sally Kane and Ernesto Aguilar from the National Federation of Community Broadcasters. And we're talking about their recent national conference and some of the topics that, that you tackled and what the response was. And, and it sounds to me that you, you really – this is an ambitious agenda you had here. It, it, these are difficult conversations to have. I think regardless of whom you're having them with, but particularly yeah, one station at a time would be big enough. Yeah, but particularly with community yep. radio folks, right? Because as you pointed out, you know, often it can feel as though, as you pointed out, Ernesto, you can feel as though it, there's a scarcity issue, and, and you're and you're just struggling to hang on to whatever you have. And now you're asking me to think about these bigger issues. And so I'm I'm kind of curious what, how you perceived this went down, Ernesto. You know, as these conversations got going, uh, you know, where did you did you find a lot? Did you, did you perceive a lot of resistance um, or did, was it variable and, and were, were people willing to kind of come together and, and rally around having these tough conversations?
3: I think people are excited. I think that that we live in a world right now where there's a lot of question about community radio and where it's headed. So when you have a lot of folks in the room who care about community radio, being challenged to think about their organizations in a different way, being challenged by the internet and streaming, podcasting, everything else, to to step up to the plate and do something bigger, uh, people are interested. Pe- people like a challenge and are curious, and there are. There are a lot of stations that are doing innovative things. Uh, Sally's pointed out an example with KSJD. There's also stations like KRCL which are partnering with local podcasters to do programming using their studios. There's WORT which is doing its Five Minutes on the Farm podcast where they bring in in local farmers. There are folks that are really intrigued about getting a chance to say uh, we want to imagine our organizations in a different way. We understand that there is a lot of power here with community radio that people oftentimes overlook or take for granted. I mean, you all in this podcast have had a lot of conversations about college radio stations that are unplugging their um, relationships with licenses and such. Uh, But as you see with community radio, and I certainly had this experience in the room, there are people who understand that there's an institutional legitimacy that radio and community radio still have locally and still have with young people, still have with schools, still have with churches and other organizations locally that these leaders don't take for granted. They just need a spark plug like NFCB to say, hey, here are new ways of looking at these things. Here are new challenges that are facing us and ways that you as leaders can just connect with these communities in a different way and listen in a different way. And and in my experience, I had a lot of people that are very, very receptive to that.
1: That's great to hear. I love that you pointed out how community radio still has institutional validity in the communities. And I think it has that validity, whether it's a station that's been around for 50 years or a station that has been on the air for, for, for six or eight months, right? A new low-power FM station. And and Sally Kane, you mentioned how you saw a lot more young people here. What What do you think is behind that? Because I think that, you know, in a lot of Community radio and and nonprofits in general. There's a certain concern that there's a graying out as as folks are getting older. It's it's tougher to, to keep in touch and there's desire to to bring in young people. And you mentioned that that there seemed to be more there. What, what do you think is behind that? What, what's the what's the infusion of energy?
0: Well. I mean, on the surface level, I think I think probably one of the biggest variables is that everybody has a phone in their hand, and you can go out and record and take photographs and produce. And so, um, this is this is a gen- generation native to. Um, the digital space, and they and see production. it as a place, yeah, and they see it as a place to play and express themselves beyond, you know, just sort of the personal brand building uh, thing of social media. It's through a community media organization they can take that to another level and expand that to here's what's going on around me. And so I think that that is it's just a natural place for them to go and. Unlike um, more structured, uh, distribution-oriented public media institutions, there's room for them to experiment and yeah. to play. And I also think that you know, 2008, when the country went into deep, deep economic stress, there is no recovery in the middle part of this country. <laughs> there are very small pockets on both coasts where that's mostly happening, and a you know, maybe a few in between. But um, I think what, what was happening in community media is that we sort of took it in the chin and everybody was really worried about keeping these organizations together. But that's almost 10 years ago now. And what I sense is that people are saying, okay, we're not weathering a storm here. This is the new normal. This is the world we're actually living in. And we have phones and we have microphones and we can actually go out into this. And technology, I feel, was really viewed especially, you know, the digital stuff by the public media sort of legacy system as something that was stalking them, something that was going to make them obsolete, something they were afraid of. Where Whereas now, fast forward, I think people have moved out of that more and they're just saying, look, it's another place where we can venture, <laughs> that we can venture into and, and create and make. And in some sense, we've all become makers. And that's very... For millennials, that's where they live in that kind of space.
3: And for NFCB's part, we've really tried to embrace that with this conference. We streamed our plenaries and keynotes on Facebook as well as Periscope. We had Snapchat filters for this conference, a lot of social media, a lot of materials available online because we understand that in addition to the new leaders and emerging leaders who are interested in this space, the rank and file of stations is very much involved and engaged in the space and we want to make sure that we're as accessible as possible. Possible for them as well.
2: That's the voice of Ernesto Aguilar. He's joined also with Sally Kane, his colleague at the National Federation of Community Broadcasters (NFCB). My name is Eric Klein, and I'm here with Paul Riespendel. We're the hosts of Radio Survivor. You're listening to Radio Survivor, and we cover the world of community radio. And I think at this point, I'm going to ask us, like. What, what for um, for many of our listeners, will be an extremely silly question, but I'm hoping that those listeners will will take the journey with me because I know that most people in America just really don't understand the media landscape the way we do, and I'm hoping that I can take this opportunity with our guests from the National Federation of Community Broadcasters to define that landscape as far as we see it. Um, I'm going to start by saying, you know, uh, it's like an old saw. Around these parts, but a lot of people who might hear community me- radio in their town might not even know the difference between that radio station and an nPR affiliate station and so all of this uh, preamble is leading up to this idea that i 'd like to take this time to to um, to identify what community media is and why it 's so different. I mean one thing that I think uh, Sally did just mention. Uh, a few minutes ago was that the doors are a little more widely open in community media,
1: and I, you know I'd like to kind of follow up on that Eric, because I'd like to really drill down. Basic kind of going off of what Ernesto was just talking about is that is to to take that question and map it on to 2017. So 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 Sally, maybe I'll, I'll pose it to you first. Is that you know in the era you know you mentioned that that um, you know millennials they've been brought up as makers. They're used to this fact that they have this this media production device in their pocket and that they can share already now Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, uh, WhatsApp, dot, 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 all along the line and can build audiences on YouTube and such. In that, what makes community radio different what is what and and different and 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 for for many purposes better what what if you're going to give that spiel if you're going to give that quick elevator's pitch to, to, to a young person what is it
0: so my spiel about that is what's distinctive about community radio within the public media space is that the 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 programming is The majority of it is created by volunteers, not paid professionals. And what that does is it grounds the sound of the content in the voices of the actual community um, so that you don't have – and that's not in any way meant to discredit um, super high quality nationally produced news magazines or other programming. It's just that in a way, in a sense – Community media organizations are community development organizations that happen to do radio so, and not the reverse. So it's it's the fact that this is actually created in the community that it's being heard and experienced in versus something that's being piped in.
1: And, and I'm going to set you up a little bit. But so imagine I'm a 22-year-old and I have – thousands of followers on Snapchat and I have a YouTube channel maybe with, with, with a few thousand followers. What's your pitch to me that community radio is a place maybe where I should invest some of my efforts or all of my efforts when I found that I can sort of have my own, my own individual channel on all these different platforms?
0: So my pitch to you is that that's a really lonely way to live and I think a lot of people are feeling that and this these community radio organizations actually exist on the ground face to face and what we're seeing is that a lot of people are coming into them to do a whole variety of different things. I mean KVNF Community Radio in Peonia has a community room. It's now the hottest place for uh, middle school kids to have their birthday parties hmm. youth who paint murals the Denver Open Media Foundation which has um, got a, a video and, and audio recording library where you can check stuff out you can learn how to do TV, you can learn how to do radio interviews, so I mean it's a physical space and as a parent of two adult children who have, you know, are living in this space of Twitter and social media and all the rest of it, they still long for human contact, we're social creatures and there's only a certain sphere of communication that can happen online and there's a very important piece of it that has to happen in real time among one another and so in some ways it's kind of like if you're into theater maybe this analogy works for you but when you go to a community media organization and you volunteer and get involved it's kind of like you're doing a play that you start with this raw material and you work together physically right there with people to make it come to something to To fruition, and there's this sense of esprit de corps and camaraderie and connection to an actual place that I feel is um, the supplement that this kind of endeavor gives to people who would otherwise have thousands of followers online.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I really appreciate that answer. And in some ways, you know, having a conference, bringing people together physically, you know, is an instantiation of that spirit uh, mm-hmm. that enhances the collaboration. And, and you know, so so Ernesto, you've been you've been to a lot of NFCB conferences over the years. That, that that's correct. I would, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Prior it's, to your role with, right, the NFCB, yeah. yeah. So is there anything that stands out to you this year? Uh, that that. Compared to previous years, something you observed or conversations you heard or even anything that just anyone said to you that, 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 that you're like, OK, th- uh, we did something new this year. We did. We accomplished something else or we've sparked something, something fresh this year. Does anything sort of stand out to you?
3: Uh- I think going back to what Sally talked about a little bit earlier, I think the moment that we're in historically really motivated a, a lot of people to come out and be a part of this. I talk with Jim Anderson, who uh, is a nationally known fundraiser. He's fundraised for very small community radio stations as well as Downton Abbey. He has been somebody who has been on the national scene for a very long time, community radio and public radio over the years. And before he came out, he told me, you know, I've been away for a little bit because we've, as an organization, have a a lot of other projects to work on. But given all that's happening right now, I felt like this was the time to make sure that I was there to support stations and help provide some knowledge to help them raise money so that they could do bigger things and better things in their communities. And that was a sentiment I heard from a lot of people. People feeling like there's a lot of stress going on around the country, whether that's locally, economically, whether that's nationally, politically, whatever it may be, and people were looking for hope. People were looking for courage. People were looking for some way to reconnect with colleagues around the things that they were working on and also looking for inspiration, looking for fresh ideas. And that's something I heard again and again and again. People really wanting to come together, given what's happening right now, to say, we are community radio and we're here and we're not going anywhere. And more importantly, we 're strategizing ways to do what we 're doing in an even bigger way
2: and ernesto i heard I heard Sally earlier talk about some of those um, good things hopeful things that are happening sounds like community radio stations around the country are uh, working on transforming themselves into a community media space like uh, meeting meeting spaces, not media spaces but both that they're open the doors are open you know so it's a it's not just a radio station with the doors closed but it's also um a a place where middle school children can can be hanging out which i i really like that idea again sort of a radio survivor theme like a crossover with a library the way a library is just this open space where people can safely uh be around media. In this case, books. Maybe we can start thinking about radio stations and especially community radio stations as uh, places where the doors are open and people can safely just be together around around this other kind of of mass media. Uh, I'm wondering what else gives you hope, Sally? Other than other than a, a media, other than a radio station becoming um, becoming a public place. What what else? What are some other great ideas for stations?
0: You know, I am super hopeful about the next generation i i think they've grown up in in actually harder times than my generation and that they are not um nearly as self absorbed and smart. that they They're smart, they're informed, they're curious, they're courageous, and, you know, they're pushing a lot of buttons, and I hear a lot of people my age and older grousing about, you know, oh, they don't know how to work, or they don't know, they don't respect this or that. Well, they're shaking it up, but they're a large cohort, they're motivated, they're engaged, and, you know, their very survival is at stake on this planet, and they get that. They really get that. And so there's big energy inside of that. If we can just be the compassionate mentors that we're meant to be at this time in our lives after being in this business for 20, 30 years and hold the space for them, I am super hopeful about what they can do with it. And I'm blessed with you know, two kids of my own, but 11 nieces and nephews, all of whom are in this age group of 16 to 32. And, you know, I continually query them about, you know, what what, what about it? Is community re- media something that's going to go away? And they, they they continually tell me, absolutely not. This is fundamental to the human experience for us to communicate with one another and to find connectivity. And, you know, there's a there's an art piece to this, there's an information piece to it, and there's just a simple entertainment piece to it. And all of those are essential in human community. And that's, that's not something we're going to wipe out. So I'm very hopeful about that. And I'm also very hopeful about uh, many of the citizenry that feels that it's time to reclaim a sense of shared values around uh, caring about what another person's experience is yeah. In your community, and and in the face of this assault of you know dividing people so much, there's also a response, and I'm hearing this from colleagues in the UK who have said to me, you know, Brexit was our Trump phenomenon in a way, if you will, and what we're seeing that is hard to you know communicate out, but that is being felt on a deep level is people um, really discovering their humanity on a different level out of necessity and deep despair and turning to one another and saying I will help you or I want to hear your story or how are you today or what happened to your daughter you know these are simple things that we that, that that are really creating connectivity among people and once you do that and and you you expand the heart space for lack of a better word and I don't mean to be trite by that but once you do that Communities thrive. That's what their main mojo is, is people who have the capacity to care.
1: And those are some, I mean, I really, I feel that deeply, that, that those two places, the host, the, the hope, I'm sorry. I feel that hope very deeply. And and my question is, though, and it's a hard question, and I'm going to throw it to you, Vanessa, maybe to, to tackle it, is... You know, you've mentioned some some stations that are great exemplars that are doing some interesting and innovative things. Some of them simple, but still innovative. Are community radio stations in general ready and positioned to take advantage of this energy the the, the youthful energy of a younger generation coming up and getting involved? Um, are they getting involved? And are they ready to take advantage of this of this energy of people wanting to come together? What do you think, Ernest? Are, are you seeing that beyond maybe just these few examples that you've been able to provide?
3: I think that there are a lot of stations that are. Uh, however, I think the real challenge is realizing that opportunity before you and also being aware of our shared capacity as community radio to change people's lives. Uh, sometimes, I mean, Sally pointed this out a second ago, and I think it's really true, uh, if you're in this space for a number of years, sometimes people will forget uh, the impact that one can have. And and Mm -hmm. unfortunately, sometimes the conversations can be a little bit insular. So, however, I think that there is um, a real opportunity. Every single station that I can think of, every single station I can think of, I have to emphasize that, um, has that capacity to start taking advantage of some of the ideas and some of the conversations that uh, we've brought up here. Uh, However, a lot of them oftentimes struggle with understanding that uh, they don't have to operate within a scarcity mentality or uh, don't have to defeat themselves before they've even begun. And and sometimes it's a cultural issue. Sometimes it's a leadership issue. Uh, However, I'm an optimist, as all, with everything, and so I just expect that there is every station has a community that needs it, and every station has an audience out there that is looking for the knowledge and the culture and the ideas that it can potentially bring to the airwaves. Uh, however, there's definitely a big challenge with uh, imagination. And there's certainly a challenge of really strategically planning oneself and placing oneself in a spot to really take advantage of the moment before us. There is that energy that's out there, but really I think it's going to be on stations in the next year to really put that center to all the work that they're doing.
1: So I'm going to ask you to give some advice here, because so we have folks, you know, here who listen to the show. We know who are involved in community radio podcasting, a lot of different media, and I know that it seems to me that a lot of folks who go to NFCB are station leaders, right? Because that's that's who can go. Um, but we have lots of folks, maybe who are DJs or or, or producers, uh, maybe they're volunteers in, in a variety of different capacities. Uh, the folks who may not have the opportunity to go to NFCB conferences or to other sort of development conferences like this for all sorts of reasons. And I guess, you know, I kind of want, if you have any advice for someone who isn't a station leader of, of one thing they can do that might help their station open their minds in the way that sort of Ernesto has laid out there to become less scarcity focused and, and looking at the, at at the actual abundance in some ways that that, that they have in front of them. Do you, do you have any advice to that person maybe isn't in a leadership position, but, but yet would like to have enough, this positive effect in their station?
0: Well, I think there are a couple avenues for one, um, you don't have to go to the conference. Sometimes you can bring us to you, and especially if if you if people can organize regional get-togethers, we can be there, and we're happy to come. And oftentimes, if, if someone from like Ernesto or myself to speak to a to an organization or a group of organizations, I've been to Oregon, um, the Oregon Community Media Network, which is just. I mean, there's probably 28, 30 stations involved with that, and they they convene on a fairly regular basis, but they asked me to come and talk about the big landscape, and there were lots of people in the room who weren't leading stations, who were volunteers, who were, you know, part-timers, whatever it was, and oftentimes when we can present something um, that's happening and we're not Of you know embedded in the organization people listen to it a little easier Um, so I think that's one thing if also if you're not in a leadership position but you want to bring that in I would say one of the best ways that that you can do that is to acknowledge uh The the labor of the people who've come before you, whose shoulders you're standing on, but keep bringing and offering what you have to the table and not with a chip on your shoulder, but with a genuine desire to participate. And I think that that is, um, uh, you can just get a lot more with honey than you do with lemons. (laughs) Let's put it that way, you know? Uh, so I, I would say that's a tactic as well. Ernesto. I'm
1: sorry. Go ahead, Sally.
0: No, it's okay.
1: Um, that's. So I was just going to ask if you if you if there's anything you want to add there, you know, because I know you, you know you you have your work with the NFCB and part of that you you were a program director. You had a long uh, record of service there at KPFT in, in Houston, and you know what advice you might give to to that person who's not in a leadership position but would like to help their station take advantage of of some of this positive energy.
3: Well, I can certainly share my own story because when I, before I became program director at KPFT, I was a news director, and before that I was a volunteer. And one of the things that I would encourage anybody who's working with a station that wants to bring a positive change or wants to make a positive contribution uh, to leadership is to take on responsibilities, be a part of that change. Because the reality is these stations really need uh, people like yourselves who are interested in seeing the station move in a good direction and are interested in making it welcoming, whatever your agenda or your hopes for a station may be, the more opportunities you take to become a leader and to lead either at a station or in other nonprofits, that's experience that you will bring back to the station and can only enhance your ability to lead others. Um, You may not be in a leadership position right now, but the more that you do, the more support that you. You can give a station, whether it's in fundraising, whether it's in operations, volunteer training, whatever it is, um, the stations, A, need it a lot, and B, the stations will need future leaders. And that's just going to happen. There is a march of time and stations will have leadership turnovers and they need people that understand their operations and understand fundraising and uh, seek a better way to do what they're already doing. And if you want to be a part of that, I would absolutely encourage you to not turn down that moment because it's easy to say, and this is something that uh, people oftentimes reflect on uh, people who want to lead sometimes wonder if they're the right people and sometimes wonder if I'm really the best person to do this or whether this is my time. Um, any revolution is oftentimes led by people who don't know whether they're the right people or whether this is the right time or whether we are the best qualified individuals sometimes we're not and that's just the truth of it i have that struggle with myself on many occasions i think all of us do in some way shape or form but we accept that responsibility, and I encourage you to accept that responsibility as someone who is a volunteer at a station um, because this station in your community needs you. People like myself need you. I had my life changed by listening to community radio. I came from a community where public radio was not a part of the culture at all. I accidentally discovered community radio, and my life is completely different because somebody else decided to volunteer. So you will make that. A difference in lives of people like me. And I absolutely say, go f- for it. Don't be shy and don't start to second guess yourself. Just do it and do what you can to make a difference at a station.
0: You know, I think that Ernesto is articulating in his story, a fundamental truth about the human experience, which is that we are born with an innate longing to connect to something larger than ourselves. And through the process of creating something we we actually create meaning (laughs) and purpose and so I think it's a time where we can all afford a pretty deep exhale and a sense of confidence in the fact that we're human beings and these are fundamental longings that motivate us and the second piece to that is as you step into an organizational setting do the personal work to evaluate very honestly what do you really bring to the table? And what are you not the best person to be doing? And if everybody did that, the organizations would be in so much better shape that this whole notion of how do we get out of each other's way and move forward would be diminished.
1: I think that's wonderful advice uh, to leave our listeners with. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Sally Kane and Ernesto Aguilar from the National Federation of Community Broadcasters. We really appreciate uh, you coming here and sharing uh, your wisdom and your experience and the things you learn from uh, all of our fellow community broadcasters at your annual conference. We, We appreciate you sharing that with the Radio Survivor audience. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you both. Really fun. Thank you
2: so happy we had the opportunity to bring Sally and Ernesto to, th- to these airwaves uh, here
1: on Radio Survivor. Always a pleasure to have them. They're so inspiring, and, and I appreciate their positivity and their hopefulness for community media in general. And their call to action for leadership, I think, really resonates with me. And, and the thing I, I just want to put out there is that I also want to make this a call for mentorship and lifting other people up and you know th- there are folks who who may be working in community media of any sort community radio community access television or even maybe you know you're starting your own sort of podcast network and you know ultimately you know people certain people hold power and they hold it for a while right and 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 not, not, not in a jealous sort of way right <laughs> not in a Donald Trump sort sure. of way well sometimes i think as we spoke about in the interview there's certain people uh, who else is going to do it if I don't right, do it? exactly. And, and you may find yourself in that position. I know I've found myself in that position in organizations. And you know if, if you're used to kind of having that leadership and that power, I, I would like to challenge you to find ways that you can lift up other people and maybe find a way – to make that transition plan. So maybe you're not the leader or you grow yeah. the, the, the cadre of leaders so that they're so that instead of maybe there are being always the same two or three people who are shouldering uh, the load that you grow that to five or 10. And it's not just to, to, to spread out the work, which is always nice, but also to kind of, of, of give people an opportunity folks who, who might not be feel like they can jump to the front always for you to help bring them to the front. Yeah, and be, I, I'm, be patient
2: with some people that uh, aren't often uh, given the permission to be leaders. Right, exactly. to help
1: them uh, grow into those leaders. Exactly, and and I, and I think those are young people. I think I think is definitely a, a great place for you to invest a lot of that. But but not only not only young people. And I know. Look, speaking right. speaking as a a middle aged middle class white guy who's held uh, positions of power at media organizations, right? I I can be self-critical. Right, And say maybe there are moments when when I should have stepped aside or should have stepped aside while also holding somebody else's hand or their arm and helping them forward. And, and in the latter days of, of, of my work in these organizations, I did try to do that. I'm not going to say I was always successful or I, I did a tremendous job, but it's something, I think, to think about working on. And especially if, if you are a community radio volunteer or, or worker who, who is feeling overly burdened, yeah. to begin to think about, well, how – how, how can we share the burden, but also how can I do that while, while helping somebody else take that step to the forward, mentor somebody to be the next generation of leaders in my organization and in sort of community media in general? There's, there's a dark
2: side to today's interview, and there's a light side. And the dark side was that there's not enough resources, there's not enough money, there's not enough time on the air, and I don't have the energy to do this work. And I can, I, 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 I'm just treading water here at a community media institution. And then the light side was opening up the doors to the young people and to other people who haven't been inside your station yet, and opening up the work to include them and, and hopefully growing the, the power of your community station uh, so that it's not just the same people that it's always been. The scarcity model, but that there's really a boundless potential. There's so much more community uh, out there. And in 2017, that community it can grow. It, it doesn't have to be a uh,
1: all doom and gloom here at community media what do you think we'd love to hear from you drop us a line at podcast at radiosurvivor.com and if you'd love to record a commentary we'd love to have it uh just do it on the on like the voicemail app on your smartphone and email it our way podcast at radiosurvivor.com this is a listener and reader supported enterprise we'd love it if you could give us a hand and help us out and keep let us help us do what we do more and better go to radiosurvivor.com slash support to learn how to do that paul thank you so much for putting together this show this week i like i was glad to be here thank you so much for joining me eric and thank you every listener but especially you <laughs> for giving us an <laughs> yeah, hour of your you. time